when I heard Army Dreamer, my first thought, and I'm not a musician, I play a little piano, but my first thought was, you know, this sounds like a waltz. Later on down the line, when the internet came out, I was doing some research, and that's one of the first things they would say. You know, it was different from her other music because it was kind of at a waltz time. And, of course, then you didn't, you couldn't pull up the lyrics and stuff like that. So listening to the lyrics, it sounded like, almost like a love note from a mother to her dead son. And it was just a beautiful song. But it's just, it's a song that kind of grabbed me because of how different it was. Well, like, like, say, there are quite a few songs on Never Forever, which, like, they kind of contrast uh, to, to, say, stuff from The Kick Inside and uh, Lionheart, and that they're kind of much, they're much darker, like, there's a lot less optimism to them, but... But even then, there's this sort of, you know, the mystical, weird uh, willingness to be weird about about them. Like, say, this is like, like, say, like, like she takes an eccentric angle because, like, normally a song like this it would be, and you know, about the wife mourning her, uh, mourning uh, her husband who uh, died at war. But in this case, it's uh, like a mother. It's like this is um, actually this is an album full of mothers. the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and today we are going to be talking about the 10th track from Kate Bush's third album, Never Forever, called Army Dreamers. This episode is going to feature two fans of the song. The first fan I spoke with was Christopher Kelly, who you'll remember from the violin episode. He's also going to be talking with me about breathing next week, so you guys will get to hear his discussion on that. The second fan I spoke with was Gregory Chapel, a public school teacher who happens to live in my area, but funny enough, we met on Facebook. Kind of a small world there, isn't it? So both of these people love Army Dreamers and Kate Bush's music, of course. And the first fan we'll get to hear from is Christopher Kelly and his thoughts on Army Dreamers. And then we'll get to hear from Gregory and how he came across Army Dreamers, what he thinks of her music, and also a little bit of his own history of growing up with her music and discovering it in high school. But first, here's Christopher Kelly. Hi, I'm Chris Kelly. I write the the Kate Bush blog Dream of Organon at WordPress, and that's the that's the other project that covers Kate Bush song by song, but at a much slower rate. <laughs> and where can people find said blog, by the way? Uh, KateBushSongs.wordpress.com. Cool. And every time you do a new entry, um, let's see. I think last time you were you were up to the man with the child in his eyes, I believe. I. I did one more after that. It was uh, another, it was like five of the Phoenix demos. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'll have to look at those. 
Yeah, every time I see one of those, I make sure to retweet. Like, hey guys, come and read this one too. Hey. I make sure to always make sure to retweet yours as well. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about Army Dreamers. So, um, what do you like about Army Dreamers? What are your thoughts on the song? Well, like, like say, like, there are quite a few songs on Never Forever, which like they kind of contrast uh, to, to say stuff from. The Kick Inside and uh, Lionheart, and that they're kind of much, they're much darker. Like there's a lot less optimism to them. But but even, but even then, there's this sort of you know the mystical, weird uh, w willingness to be weird about about them. Like say this is like like, see, like, like, like she takes an eccentric angle because like normally a song like this it would be and, you know about the wife mourning her uh, mourning uh, her husband who uh, died at war, but in this case it's uh, like a mother. It's like this is um. Actually, this is an album full of mothers. Like, say, I'm, like, doesn't the wedding list have? Uh, isn't she pregnant at, at mm -hmm. the end? Yep, she and, is. And breathing is obviously well, not about the mother, but about the fetus, which is. Um, but still, there's yeah. there's there are maternal feelings in yes. in the songs. Yeah, they're, they're they're like it's very much an album that's well. Kate Bush in general has this uh, this very this strong veneration for motherhood. Yeah, like even then, it's to say it's it's not some uh, romantic song about about say a wife uh, mourning her uh, her Johnny boy who died who died at sea. It's apparently you know, apparently it was just this simple boring death like say kate bush said it wasn't you know this uh he didn't die in combat it was an accident yeah just a yeah. military exercise yeah kind of reminds me of this uh of a 2014 episode of uh, doctor who which um spoilers uh, one of the characters uh yeah i mean i know you've seen it but i haven't quite made it up that far yet but it's okay you can you can go on ahead because honestly it's all out there and i'm eventually going to get to it yes. anyway and i'm probably going to forget about it by the anyway <laughs> Well, basically, uh, the, the companion, uh, Clara's boyfriend, dies in a in a car accident, and so he's everybody's, uh, you know, um, well, surrounding her, trying to support her, and she and they're just and like saying, "Oh, isn't it terrible?" And she just says, "No, it wasn't. It, it was just boring and banal because he just uh, died mm. in a car accident." But it, you know, just so shocking that he you know he died in just such a simple, ordinary way, which seems to be kind of a similar situation here. Definitely. So this song was written for Never Forever. It was released as the album's final single as a seven inch. And the B-sides I find very interesting that they were, one of them was an album track. The other was a one that you had talked about actually on your blog. He, she had Delia's uh, Song of uh. Summer and then Passing Through Air, which yes. was a song from 1973, and I know you wrote extensively about Passing Through Air, and you're going to be talking about it with me later. Yes. For Passing Through Air. Yeah, it's, yeah, that one's odd because I mean, it's just like it's not really clear why she revisited it, why she decided to release commercially. I don't know. Maybe since she thought, well, I've already uh, recorded it in the studio, maybe I'll just put it out since it's mm -hmm. there. But, I don't know. Maybe she just had a soft spot for it. Yeah. Or maybe she thought, okay, well, this is a song that I did when I was much younger, and since this song is yeah. mourning somebody who is young when they died, and maybe there's a correlation there, perhaps. Yeah, I, I suspect that there's a maybe this desire to return to that uh, easier period. But man, the singles on this album are just—they feel like a big fuck you to the market. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Like nothing else on the radio in 1980 sounded anything like Army Dreamers, or or Breathing or Babushka. It's just like it's it's a pop album that's just absolutely not a pop album. Yeah, it, it's 
I mean, if yes, yeah, she was marketed as pop, but it's definitely not. Yeah. Pop. <laughs> I mean, her sales are pop, which is even weirder. But. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think a lot of it is just that she came along at the right time when the more progressive music could become popular. Yeah. As opposed to now where it's like, yeah, I mean, 1980 in particular, it was a very experimental year. I mean, like, like say the mainstream uh, rock artists were tend to be doing some very interesting stuff like Bowie with scary monsters. And um, I don't know what Peter Gabriel was doing at the time, but I'm sure it was, well, one of his million self-titled albums that, well, at that time, she would have uh, Kate Bush would have been helping him out with yeah. vocals for for Melt or Peter Gabriel Three or sometimes known as Melt because of the uh, cover image. I've actually not heard any solo P- Peter Gabriel albums, so I should probably change that. But oh, they're really good. I've I've most I'm most familiar with Melt and the one that mm-hmm. came after um, Security because Security was released. I think either the week before or the week after the dreaming and mm. listening to, to security and I, like a track from security, then a track from the dreaming fits together really, really well. Seriously. I think it was really nice to give Kate Bush, this unknown artist, a career. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I got to talk with two fans of Army Dreamers. The second fan I spoke with was Gregory Chapel, who's a public school teacher from my area in southeastern Virginia. I have not actually met him in person, even though we live in the same area. We met on the Kate Bush Fan Club Facebook group. I had posted about some of my previous episodes of the podcast he commented and we became Facebook friends we started talking about Kate Bush and other music as well and I got to speak with him about Army Dreamers which is one of his personal favorite Kate Bush songs ever and later in the episode I am gonna put in a part where he started talking about what it was like to be a Kate Bush fan before the internet but first we're gonna get to hear Gregory's thoughts on Army Dreamers I didn't become a Kate Bush fan until my senior year in high school, 1985. You only know when I heard Hounds of Love. Me and my three best friends, um, we called ourselves the Odd Quad. <laughs> we listened to different music that people didn't, you know, were big fans of Thomas Dolby, Ultravox, Kate Bush. And so my favorite song on Hounds of Love was Cloudbuster. We traveled a lot to record stores. We went to Norfolk to the old tracks um, in Ward's um, uh, Corner. Mm-hmm. We um, Springfield Mall in Northern Virginia. And mm-hmm. we were always looking for Kate Bush albums, CDs, Thomas Dolby stuff. So I started off with, you know, running up that hill and worked my way backwards. And when I heard Never Forever, I loved the whole album. The whole album is just a beautiful album. Um, Babushka is one of my like top five favorite songs. And when I heard Army Dreamer, my first thought, and I'm not a musician, I play a little piano, but my first thought was, you know, this sounds like a waltz. Mm-hmm. Later on down the line, when the internet came out, I was doing some research, and that's one of the first things they would say. 
you know, it was different from her other music because it was kind of at a waltz time. And of course, then you didn't, you couldn't pull up the lyrics and stuff like that. So listening to the lyrics, it sounded like, um, almost like a love note from a mother to her dead son. And it was just a beautiful song, but it's just, it's a song that kind of grabbed me, um, because of how different it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of, and you know, I worked my way backwards to Lionheart and been a fan ever since. <laughs> <laughs> this is my 18th year teaching. I've probably turned about, not a lot, but maybe like 10 kids on to Kate Bush. Cause my old school was a, um, music, fine arts and drama magnet. And they would come in and, and so what are you listening to today, Mr. Chapel? And I would have, you know, Lincoln Park on one day, Kate Bush on the next day, you know, so kids would hear them. They're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And <laughs> like videos on YouTube and like, oh, wow, I like this. Those were the more artistic kids, I guess. <laughs> Not the ones who were going through their daily life trying to be cool and doing what everyone else was doing. Yeah. But I think it's cool that we're all kind of doing our part to uh, keep her music alive. Or at least keep it going. <laughs> because, Indeed. Yep. So. And it says something that we're still talking about Army Dreamers like 30, what, 38 years later? Well, it's just it, every one of her songs you could you can look at 10 songs and every one of them is like totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you start with a hit running up that hill and you go backwards to, to Lionheart, you know, to, to songs, you know, um, the man with the child in his eyes. She wrote that when she was 13. It, her songs are different and each one has something that will grab you and something that can start a conversation, you know? Um, you were talking about December Will Be Magic. I love that song. It's just an absolutely beautiful song. Yeah, what what, what instruments are, are used in this song? So we've got acoustic guitar from her longtime guitarist, Brian Bath. We have her brother... Mm-hmm. Patty on mandolin, uh, Smurf, a.k.a. Alan Murphy, on electric and bass acoustic guitar. Duncan McKay was playing the Fairlight, and I'm pretty sure when, when they say they credit the Fairlight, I know that they they um, recorded the sounds of rifles being cocked, and so is that, that's Wait. that... Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's one of her earliest... Yeah, this is when she discovered the Fairlight, isn't it? Yeah, this album, she didn't... Like, every song didn't have the Fairlight on it, but... She used it a fair amount, haha, pardon the pun. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> and then backing vocals, she had her brother, Alan Murphy, Brian Bath, and the uh, Baudron was played by Stuart Elliott. And the Baudron, I know, has appeared in several of her other songs. It's a type of Irish frame drum. Oh, yeah, this is very much an album, a little song with a lot of Irish instrumentation. Like, say, she's a. Mm-hmm. Like, it's part of the like, why the song, like, what other out? What what other hit song is using say the, the mandolin and the kind of, gun cocking Fairlight, which is. Nothing I mean, else I can think of. I mean, I can think of a couple of other songs. The first song that comes to mind that 
I know was a kind of a moderate hit that had the mandolin was Cornflake Girl by Tori Amos, oh, but that yes. didn't come along because that da 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 before the doom It's one of the best songs ever. That really is a really good song. Anyway, so that's the kind of instrumentation. Oh, and also losing my religion, REM. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. But yeah, not a lot of songs. He used the mandolin, which is at least in like pop kind of songs. I mean, country music, yeah. you're going to find that a lot. At least here in the U.S., you're going to find a lot of country music. But. Oh, yes. So yeah, we've got kind of Irish or traditional instruments with electronic stuff. Maybe not quite as pronounced on other as yeah. it is on, say, Delius. But she's still got that melding of the two, which I find very intriguing. Definitely about yeah, this song. It's, it's very much this uh, modern take on, say, classic source material. Like, like she was saying that her big influence on this song, I believe, was Irish folk music because it is very much mm-hmm. uh, a modernized Irish folk song. With yeah, and in fact, when I first heard this song on the whole story, because that was my kind of my first exposure, oh, yeah. really to to more Kate Bush than just oh, I randomly downloaded Wuthering Heights just because I want to know if there's a book of, a song about my favorite book. And I remember listening to this and kind of going, this sounds like a old folk song. This is interesting. Yeah. And I did notice too, that it's, it's in a waltz time. So it's like, yeah, she's doing, her band is doing a lot of good stuff at this point. Like, I think this is the first, uh, this is the first album she does where she really figures out how to use other musicians. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, like sometimes, uh, like in the pr- first two albums, the other it feels like they're just like she's just trying to make a rock album that's not really not really hers. Like she like she's just kind of required to use um, these uh, session musicians. But here, it like feels like they're actually an integral part of the song. Yeah, like she's kind of going, okay, this is kind of the sound I want, guys. Can you do this for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like let's see, like probably the well, wedding list really does utilizes that well, where it feels like it feels like they're just a central part of the melody there. So let's see. So as for what it's about, I mean, we were kind of talking about how it feels very much like a an old folk song, and it's a mother grieving for her son. Yeah, he was. Her son goes off to join the army. He hasn't had a lot of schooling. Like she talks, you know, he could have, should have been a rock star, but he didn't have the money for a guitar. Should have been a politician, but he didn't have a proper education. So this is somebody who maybe didn't really get too far in school. Maybe he joins the army because, oh, yay, I can get to go places or or for glory. And he's killed in an accident. Yeah, he's an army jury. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get to do all oh. these cool things. And then, oops. Yep. Something it's happens. Very, it's a very yeah, sad song because, like, it is, like, it, like it's very much like someone who's been dreaming all his life. Just all that's gone to hell. Like, it's just all done now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a romanticization of uh, of the military, which just, like, like, like that's not just not reality. It's just going to be much more, like, banal and sad than that. Um, but... Usually there's there's songs that when we listen to, there's some kind of reference that we um, never knew what it was. So later on down the line, we never could figure out what the BFPO was mm-hmm. until the internet came out and we researched it. <laughs> we realized it was you know the British Forces Post Office, yeah, in charge of telling families that their 
loved ones have passed away in the war. So that Army Dreamers is a story. It's it starts off, um, you know, saying what if, you know, what if he learned to play music? He didn't have money for a guitar. You know, what if he became a politician? Didn't have money for education. So he ended up going into the army and, and you know, going to war. And it, it's such a, when you when you listen to the lyrics, it's such a beautiful song. It's a sad song. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the video, when she blows up, the first time I saw the video, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why did they do that? Um, but it's, that's what she is. She's a storyteller. I mean, for me, Army Dreamers um, is not an absolute favorite, but I do like where it sets on the album. I think it's really, I think it's placed in a in a good spot because it kind of comes after these really intense songs like Violin and The Wedding List and The Infant Kiss, and then you get Night Senate Stock that kind of brings everybody down, and then army dreamers comes along and it's definitely very different and it's to me it sounds happy even though it's really not and the first time i listened to the song like i was kind of caught up in like the dun, 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 and i didn't really <laughs> listen to the words and then i realized oh wait this is kind of sad intriguing yeah. it, it's funny you say that because it almost sounds like the mother has come to grips and come to terms with what happened to her son. Mm-hmm. You never get over it, but she's, it sounds almost sounds like the way it's sung. She's at a point in her life where yes, he could have had a different lot in life. He could have took a different path in life, but he chose to go into the army and this happened and it happened. You know, it, the story is sad. But the music isn't. Mm-hmm. So to me, it almost sounded like, yes, it happened. I wish it didn't. I'm still sad, but I'm going on with my life, and I'm remembering what could have been. So it, it's funny you said that because I used to think the same thing when I was listening to it back in the '80s when you were still young. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the interesting is that's very that's very British. Like means both specifically English thing mm-hmm. you know, even though it's like it's an Irish folk song so she's kind of moving the focus from Ireland you know just well she said it was more you know the the, the whole the phrase she used was doing the European thing which is obviously very vague but you kind of get what she's talking about in the, in the sense she's just trying to you know make it modern sort of global but this more I don't know broad focus on uh, European warfare that sort of thing yeah, I mean, but he never even made it to his 20s. What a waste. Army dreamers. What a waste of army dreamers. It's very much a, like, like a cynical in some ways. Like, mm-hmm. It's a very, a very, that sort of dry Irish dark sense of humor. All the while sounding to me like of just a sprightly little waltz that yes. really the meaning of which completely went over my head the first couple times I heard this song. Yeah, it's kind of that, uh, I don't know, very 80s thing of, of uh, you know, upbeat melody and dark lyrics. Mm-hmm. 
this one, like, I didn't know that she was saying, like a chicken with a fox, he couldn't win the war with ego. I had no idea that that's what she was even singing. No, I, that's completely news to me. I mean, I got the tears or a tin box, so Jesus Christ, he wasn't to know. The neck that those next two lines, I know I, I was like, okay, Kate, I'm just gonna kind of go with it. <laughs> yeah, I can even read the lyrics uh, before that one. I was like, oh, okay, so this is uh, the first time I'm hearing that. Of all the lines in the song, probably my favorite lines. Now he's sitting in his hole. He might as well have buttons and bows. Mm. That just really strikes me. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's died for kind of a dumb cause, but well, we might as well make him look nice. There's history in a nutshell. It feels very biting. Like, it feels like she's saying a yeah. lot in just two lines. And that's just Yeah, that's, that's probably the most politically loaded phrase she ever writes. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, the, the actually, even the, the two lines before, give the kid the pick of pips and give him all your stripes and ribbons. Wow. Now he's sitting in his hole, he might as well have buttons and bows. Which actually I thought was he might as well have ribbons and bows, but maybe I was just mishearing it. But I mean, this is an album full of loaded phrases. Like, all of... All we ever look for are the... Or all they ever want for you are the things they didn't do... All they ever wanted, a little clue. All they ever wanted, the truth. But they never did get. Like this. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's something very much uh, her just, you know, going off on uh, the so-called greatest generation. Like, just like, you could have done this. Why didn't you do that? Yeah, it, like, she's it, like she's not a particularly radical, especially politically. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, there's some pretty, pretty daring stuff on this. Like, some like some of the most loaded songwriting of... Uh, like, even if it's not especially blunt, I mean, that's fine. Like, some, like, well, blunt political songwriting can be either incisive or bad. But, yeah, like, say that she handles it very delicately. I mean, honestly, like, in a way, this song reminds me a little bit of The Empty Bullring. Because The Empty mm-hmm. Bullring is, like, is a, a woman who's watching somebody she knows, like, trying to prove that he's this great person and trying to be all big macho dude and she doesn't feel like he needs to do that he she doesn't feel like he needs to fight for for glory and that's kind of what the song makes me think of a little bit yeah like maybe part of the, this guy having these big ideas of going into the army and traveling and doing really wonderful things and coming home oh yeah i'm the hometown hero and then poof, he just dies. Like it makes me think of the empty boring in a way. I didn't. I didn't make the connection there, but yeah, it's it's definitely there. And like musically, it's sort of uh, similar. I guess he you know, has that little catchy hook. Although I kind of want like I'd, I'd be interested in say hearing a demo for uh, Army Dreamers because like I, I, I would suspect, too. I suspect like a piano demo would have sounded more like the empty boring. Mm. And you have a thing here. Um, you you've got some interesting thoughts on uh, here in the notes. Um, about where this kind of sits on the album. Oh, yeah. I, I, I guess I put it down as sort of a suite, this sort of a triptych of a, 
well, Night Sided Stalk, Army Dreamers, and, bre- and uh, Breathing. But I think it's mainly that those uh, sort of just flow into each other. Like, say, the, mm-hmm. like there's no break between Night Sided Stalk and Army Dreamers, but... but yeah, like saying it's... Um, but yeah, like they're, they're both songs that you would uh, say, arm, well, well, Army Dreamers and Breathing, they both deal with motherhood in some capacity. Night Sen and Stalk is obviously, um, it's not a very uh, lyrically loaded song, but... Oh, but there's a lot of meaning in... Uh... Well, yes, it's a meditation on the importance of consonants. <laughs> I guess, yes, <laughs> in vowels. <laughs> Maybe she's just inventing a whole other language there and we haven't caught up to it. Maybe, yeah. But it is true, like, the Night Sunday Stock just goes right into this song, where you go from, like, nice calm to, okay, sprightly waltz, that sounds happy, even though it isn't! It's weird. <laughs> it's weird how they say these songs. I mean, they like they sound pretty drastically different, but you know, kind of cohesive. Like, they, they sound like they belong on the same album, while mm-hmm. not sounding like no one song sounds quite like the rest. For sure. I think what really ties it all together are two things. I think it's Kate's voice and what it sounds like at this period where it's it's not quite like the muscular sort of singing that she would do on The Dreaming, but it's not super high Yeah, like on the first two albums. Not to say, I mean, there are some high vocals on this album. Violin. But, yeah, like violin, but it's not, but like, it's it's starting to it's starting to feel like she's she's getting a little bit more lower end of her voice if you will like she's doing a little bit more with her yeah. voice probably because she's feeling like okay I've broken away I'm trying to do my own thing and now I can do a little bit more with my voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. This is she really does branch out with uh, with her voice on this album and the next two, but mm-hmm. say I mean. Well, like say uh, the, her voice in the first two albums, it's it's poppy, but in a way that sounds like absolutely nothing else in pop music. Very much. <laughs> but I mean, on this one, you were saying here, I see here in the notes that uh, that vocally she's trying to sound like an older Irish woman. Oh yeah, she's a sort of. This is kind of it's one of the quieter songs in the album. Like vocally, she's rather soft spoken. I mean, she's still like moving a lot well vocally, but she's still. You're keeping it at a certain volume. So yeah, she, uh, uh, Kate has performed the song. She performed it on a number of TV shows in Germany. She performed this on Rock Pop. That was a TV mm. show there. Uh, to lip sync the song is Miss Mop. In the Netherlands, she performed the song on Veronica Total on October 15th, dressed in an army outfit. As you do. Yeah, as you do. And uh, it's worth noting, though, she only lip-synced these performances. She did not sing them live. (laughs) But she wasn't into the whole per-actually singing live thing at this point, but, you know. Mm. I mean, arguably still isn't. We never had cable in my house uh, until... I think 86, but I happened to see the video one time um, in the 80s or in high school. There was a show called Night Flights. Is it Night Flights, I believe? And mm-hmm. it came on at midnight, and I happened to see the video. And 
when I saw her eyes blinking in tune to the um, the gun being cocked, mm-hmm. I, I said, "Wow, that's it's such an incredible video, and it's it's so um, it's so heartfelt, you know." And you know, to to see the little um, ins and outs like the the uh, the KT on the butt of the of the rifles and things like that. It was it was really cool. It's it's such a beautiful song. I watched the music video before we start kind of started talking here. Mm-hmm. It's honestly not really one of my favorites, although it's worth yeah. noting that the director was Keith McMillan. He worked on Babushka. He did the white dress version of Weathering Heights, The Man with the Child in His Eyes, and Breathing. Mm. So um, he worked with Kate on a number of her earlier music videos. The music video for this reminds me in a way of another video that came out a couple of years after this where they were trying to depict one of the world wars with maybe four or five people. I'm talking about Stand or Fall by The Fix. I can't say I've heard of it, but that uh, setup is sounds either promising or terrible. It's, uh, I it's like this song. Um, I mean, I think what's interesting about the video is is that Kate um, stated that this video was one of the few examples of her work that she was completely satisfied. Uh, quote, for me, that's the closest that I've got to a bit of film. And admittedly, watching it does feel like a mini film. And It's memorable. It's 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 good. It It's very literal with the subject of the song. Yeah. The way she's kind of looks at the camera, and whenever the the percussion cocks, yeah. it she's like close squeezing her eyes and opening them. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, that that what that part I like. It's just okay for me. It, it yeah. goes with the song. I mean, it's well done. Yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's one of the classic videos, but yeah, it works. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show to talk about Army Dreamers today. Yay! Hey, always, always happy to be on here. Yay! Hey. Oh, and uh, real quick, where can people find your blog? I am. Uh, you can find me at uh, katebushsongs.wordpress.com. I, at the moment, I am writing about violin, which I've already talked about on here, but uh, will also be linked. That uh, this that podcast will be linked in the in the entry. So that's. Yay! So, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, Bellardian Gorse. And I think that's, well, okay, oh, on, you can find me on Tumblr if you want, say, a bit of uh, behind-the-scenes info on the blog at uh, kbsongs.tumblr.com. Don't confuse that with uh, kbcast.linkmedia.com, which, <laughs> just, which is the site you should be visiting right now. But. Indeed. Well, thanks so much for being on the show again. And, uh... Well, you'll be adding your thoughts to. Uh, we'll be. I'll be talking with you for breathing, which is coming out next week. Yes. See you in a week. Indeed. See you in a week. I really enjoyed this. This has been fun. Indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Kate Bush with me and Army oh. Dreamers and everything else. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm a rambler. I. Uh, oh, that's good. I like ramblers. I ramble too, and I, really I like. Love... Go ahead. No, just I like letting people talk. It's it's. Yeah. I'm the one that kind of facilitates it and I just like, okay, turn on the uh, digital tape recorder here. 
Well, I mean, just, you know, Army Dreamers is one of those songs that grabbed me. Um, and then I just kind of, because we used to work backwards. And, you know, then we got to Lionheart. And I just, um, every now and then I have to put a Kate, Kate Bush um, playlist on and kind of think back to my high school days. <laughs> so... Which I'm probably going to do today after this uh, podcast. So. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for talking with me, and I hope you have a good day. You're welcome. I hope you have a good day. And yep. uh, let's see, I can just, I, I remember just a little bit of my French. Um, au revoir. Oui, au revoir, bonne journée. <laughs> bonne journée. <laughs> If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or even a couple songs that you would like to talk about for a future episode or you know something about this week's song that we didn't get to in our discussions, then here's where you can contact me. You can either email me kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. You can message me through my website kbcast.linkmedia.com. You can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. Join us next week for the last album song from Never Forever, where we're going to get to talk about Kate's little symphony. That's how she put it, her little symphony, Breathing. See everybody next week. So what was it like for you being a, a fan of Kate Bush before the internet and before you could easily find information about her and such? Well, it's hard to imagine a time without the internet. But my my best friend, Michael Lucky, we are still best friends. We've been friends for 33 years. He was a little ahead of his time. He was the one that turned me on to Thomas Dolby. We're huge Dolby fans. Um, mm-hmm. Ultravox, uh, Kate Bush, Kim Wilde, um, things like that. And he had a car. Um, he bought a, a little a Camaro, 76 Camaro. Bought it in junior high school, actually. And his mom owned a business, a sporting goods store. And he worked with his mom. So he saved up money and got his car fixed up. So we would drive to different you know, record stores, Norfolk, uh, Springfield Mall in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we would look for, you know, these albums, these CDs. Well, at the same time, he had a, um, not, I guess a, a subscription. I don't know if they're still in business, but there used to be a company in England called Burning Airlines. And he was the only one, Mike was one of the only kids I knew that had a, a credit card. <laughs> And he would order um, albums and CDs and posters from Burning Airlines out of England. So he was getting Kate Bush stuff straight from the source, you know, straight from her home country when it came out. You know, he would see this, oh, you know, uh, he's got a huge collection of um, colored vinyl um Japanese pressings of albums, 
you know, things like that. So he would get something, and he would play it, and he's like, you like this? I'm like, yeah, I love it. So, I, you know, he would order CDs from us. So before the Internet, it was a lot of detective work. It was a lot of work to find this stuff. Um, I think it's kind of sad, in my opinion, that kids will never experience that moment where you walk into a record store and you see your favorite artist's new album out for the first time. Um, like when Thomas Dolby put out his um, second album called The Flat Earth, we walked into uh, Tracks in Ward's Corner in Norfolk. It's gone now, but it was a big warehouse um, music store. And we saw that and we're like, oh my God, is the new album's out. You know, because you didn't know um, there was no internet. And you spent, unless you bought a tape, you had to go, or a CD and you had a CD player, you had to go home and listen to the album or wait till you get home to put in the CD. So if we had money, we would buy like a CD and a cassette tape so we could listen to the tape in the car. <laughs> we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait till we got home. Um, I guess it's, you know, now it's instantaneous. If you like a song, you download it. Mm-hmm. There, um, back in the '80s, you had to really work to find and get the music you liked. Um, and if it was popular, it was right there to listen to. You know, every every record store had you know Journey out front and Van Halen and um, you know, all this stuff. But if you were <coughs> a fan of the more obscure stuff you had to dig for. You know, you had to go, um, and then sometimes, you know, we would go up to the to the manager. How come you don't have K. Bush? Who? And I used to think, you work in a record store. How do you not know who K. Bush is? How do you not who know who the band Ultravox is? This is crazy. This is your job. Mm-hmm. But now it's instantaneous. Like I said, you just. Uh, you, I mean, it happens in high school where I teach all the time. Kids go, oh, I like that song you're listening to. Who is it? And I'll tell them, and I'll pull out their phone, and <laughs> you look it up and listen to the music. Um, and I think things would have been, I don't know if, I don't know if things would have been better back then if we had that. I really don't think they would have because we, Part of listening to music then was an adventure. Um, you had to hop in the car. You had to um, drive. We would make a, a whole Saturday of driving to uh, Northern Virginia to go to Springfield Mall because they had several comic book stores and bookstores and record stores. And, and it was fun, mm-hmm. you know, um, instead of sitting in your house and pulling up something on the Internet. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to feel or sound old. So, <laughs> but uh, it's it was it was fun times. It really was. The eighties, <clears throat> music wise, music wise, the eighties was just it was it was it was an incredible time. I mean, I was a huge fan of um, Miami Vice, the TV show, and the first time I heard uh, I forgot what song it was, unfortunately, but the first time I heard Kate Bush on there, I'm like. 
Kate Bush's on Miami Vice. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> they would they would play, you know, part of that show was part of the draw of that show was the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, play music to kind of fit the um what was going on. So and then that's what happened. you would you would hear a song and you couldn't right away look it up. You would have to wait till the next time you went to the record store. Or <clears throat> the next time Mike got a uh, calendar, uh, catalog from Burden Airlines, he would say, oh, you know, I think I'm going to order this. And you got to wait for it to come in the mail. So um, it's interesting times. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.